shirk my responsibilities, Bob. I appreciate that. But I have to take full responsibility for my actions. Men, who will begin us in prayer this I think every class will, will open and close a prayer and maybe we can you know take turns and cycle through and do you volunteer? Yeah. I've been volunteered before. <laughs> go ahead and lead us in come your name? Lucas. Lucas, go ahead and lead us in prayer, please. Lucas. In the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We glorify your name. We give you thanks to the Lord for this moment that we have here to learn about your word and to nourish our hearts and our minds so that we can speak your word freely and from our hearts. We ask your protection and your help. With the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Francis de Sales. Pray for us. Yes. Gentlemen, my name is Father Eric Lenhardt. I'm a Capuchin Franciscan friar. I live at St. Lawrence Friary in Beacon, New York. It's a, it's a retreat center. I lived there for the past three months. Before that, I was in Graymore, and then I was living in a friary, another friary in Beacon, St. Joachim's. But um, yeah, welcome to the class. I'm really excited about this. I, this is this is so good. Um, I'm really excited for you. This is like the best. Um, where all the things you're learning, your personality, all of your formation, all comes together in preaching. I think this is the most important class. Reason being, at your parish, the parishioners, 90% of them, their interaction with you is anomaly. You'll, you'll baptize some and, and marry some, and you know if you do RCIA or some kind of you know adult ed program or something, you'll interact with some of them. But the homily is how you interact with the the vast majority of members of your parish, the people of God. So this class is, I think, so important to learn the skills and unlock this this gift that God has given you. So I'm really excited. Um, did everyone get my email, by the way? Yes. Okay. Did everyone print out the syllabus and bring it? Excellent. And did everyone bring their favorite scripture and the recollection of their uh, the most memorable holiday ever heard? I, my philosophy is, is really that homiletics, preaching, is like swimming. You cannot learn something by talking about it. You know, you can, you can learn something. You can learn, okay, you know, we got techniques and, and stroke and there are methods and methodologies and philosophies, and we will learn that. But I think the primary thing is to spend the most amount of time we can when we meet actually in the, the craft uh, of preaching and, and proclaiming God's word. So that's my intention is to, there's, there'll be, eight or nine of us I think, in a given class. So I think we have just enough time, if we're expeditious, to we all can, can do a bit of preaching every class. It's also my intention, and, and Deacon Frank and I are talking about this, exactly how we're going to execute this, that we will have, possibly here, a number of, of, of my friends who have invited to be part of the class. I think that gives you access to real people, if you know what I mean. Um, they're the ones who matter. You know, they're the ones you're preaching to, and they're the ones that 
the Lord is using you to form their minds and hearts because a homily is not about information. You have some of that, but it's about formation. The, the, the word of God that forms minds and hearts. And so that's my intention to, to get, I don't know, a handful of people in here every class. Uh, if we can accomplish it, i got to figure out who to talk to to get that okay and green-lighted. But um, that's my hope is to have people in here. Uh, but I'll say more about that as we, as we go. Um, I got a lot to share with you. I, I trust that kind of as we're going, things will surface. You know, you'll be preaching and you'll stumble upon something that I can highlight or, you know, maybe your classmates will also highlight it. So I'm confident that of the million things that I want to share with you, it'll kind of come out naturally. Um, there's common pitfalls. There's, there's common things that all, I think, um, people in this craft sometimes stumble upon. So I'm going to stop talking. I asked a, one, of my, one of my heroes, Father Jim Hammer, one time, I was ordained like maybe six months. And I said, Jim, you know, I've caught myself sometimes, um, you know, I'm done preaching, but I haven't like landed yet. What's the, what's the, what do I do uh, when I'm, when I'm kind of done? I need to land the plane. And he goes, hmm, have you considered stop talking and sit down? <laughs> That's good advice. Um, and so, Number one thing, this I want this like tattooed in your brain for this class. Whenever you speak to anybody, know two things. How am I getting in and how am I getting out? Say it with me. How am I getting in and how am I getting out? You might at some point have the confidence, the desire to preach without texts. You still have to have two sentences memorized, your first and your last, because that is it's ugly. I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe you've done it where you're just searching for that land. And you're looking around. And, and Lord, we, the Blessed Mother leads us to the Eucharist. And you're just, it's nonsense. And I've done it. it. It's so obvious. I didn't know how I was getting out. I might have had a great introduction. I might have taken off smoothly. But I didn't know how I was getting out. So you always got to know how am I getting in and how am I getting out. So I'd like to hear, and maybe, how about this? We'll take turns. Tell me a little about yourself. Tell me you know, um, how this program's going for you. Just you know, tell me a little about yourself. Um, what, ah, how about this? What question? What excites you about being a deacon? What excites you about being a deacon? And then, I'd like to hear, let's see. If you're OK, let's, let's do it in reverse, if you could. Um, I'd ask you two questions. Two things to bring, your recollection of a, a memorable homily, the most memorable homily I've ever heard, and second, your favorite scripture. What I'd like to do now is take turns. Um, what excites you about being a deacon the most? And then tell us about your favorite scripture. And this is you know, a bit of preaching, so think, how am I getting in and how am I getting out, okay? Do you want two or three minutes to kind of Get that straight in your head. Is that, or are you guys ready to go? <laughs> Two, three I, minutes. So I can go. Okay. I mean, I've been thinking about this the whole weekend since I got your email. <laughs> it was a challenging email. Well, here's what I'd like you to do. Lucas, sit there, stand up, 
Do you have the physical text of the scripture you want to talk about? No, I don't. Uh, I, do you know what the uh, Luke, chapter Luke, and verse is? Luke 15. Uh, I'll leave this here. Okay. And I want sit down, pray for a moment, ask God to squeeze your ego out. You know, if you have a favorite kind of passage that, that humbles you and, and makes your, your mind and heart porous for the spirit, you know, pray that. And then... Take the take the ambo, tell us a little about yourself, and then we have the Bible here. Proclaim the word. So that, that's what we'll do. Say a little about yourself. Proclaim the word like you would on a, in a homily, and then tell us why it's your favorite text. Okay. So take take a pause and and, and pray and whatever you like. It's almost like a foul shot, you know. You know, like NBA players, like okay, what's your routine? You know, like. What do you do to steady yourself, to allow the Holy Spirit to enter into you? You know, what's your routine? So I'll stop talking.
Christian uh, to read the gospel. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he said, We do the whole thing. The Lord be with you. Okay. Just like you would. Okay. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Gospel of St. Luke. Then he said, A man who had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate, that you should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squared his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a, se a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in a dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the, sh the shrine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the shrine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one as you would treat one of your higher workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced, his, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I have no longer deserved to be called your son. But his father ordered his servant quickly, his servants quickly bring the finest robe and put, him, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because his because this, my, this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back. As he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might be mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he was, he, because he has been back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, "Look, all these years I've served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet." You never gave me even a young goat to eat, to feast with my friends. But when your son returns, who will swallow up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. 
he said to him, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to this day, uh, this passage is very profound with me. Uh, I think it's the, the perfect passage in, in uh, the Bible. Uh, I look at my family, when I was uh, born and raised, a perfect dysfunctional family. <laughs> I look at the family that I try to raise, my two children, my wife, following the same footstep as my family. <laughs> but uh, when it, it impacted me so much about 10 years ago. Uh, we were at a uh, low point in, in, uh, with my son, and my wife and I uh, were at Mass way before I thought of becoming a deacon. And we were thinking about my son, who was going through his struggles. And just like now, it was hard to contain ourselves, and we just let him run out of Mass. It was refreshing. And uh, as I uh, involved myself more and more uh, with this passage, and coming, coming to Mass more often, uh, at that time, I was coming to Mass regularly, but not every Sunday. And my wife had been coming to Mass all the time. And again, uh, someone asked me to sponsor her, asked my wife and I to sponsor her for confirmation. And this led us to, to uh, Mass more regularly, uh, confession more often. And little by little, as, uh, as Father was saying before, I guess it was the Lord's way to, to work on me. And again, uh, when, when, when I heard this, this passage, I, it, it meant a lot. It, it, it stayed with me. And every time I hear it, I, I get more out of it. And uh, also, uh, there was a book about the painting from Rembrandt. That, that gave a lot of meaning to this passage. And that when I, when I used the dysfunctional family uh, compared with this passage, I, I really mean it because uh, it, it's hard to, to think of, of each and every one of us who is really the, the good son or the bad son the, or the father. Or for instance, the mother. Uh, Often we, we read this passage and we tend to think that it's just about the two sons and, 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 uh, and the mother and, and the father. But there's also bystanders there. There's people also uh, looking at the son coming back, at the father embracing the son. And I often put myself in, in, in each and every one of those positions, as I said, I am a son, I am also a father. But when I make the relationship between myself and my creator, 
And because again, at one point when I didn't know much about scriptures, I only thought of the parable as a human family, not so much as a spiritual family. Once I started reading more uh, uh, the description of the painting, and, and I read the, the, the passage again, I, I think of God, how he's always waiting for each and every one of us, uh, and how easy we could play the role of the, the older brother. You know, uh, I, I, I put myself in, in the position of that younger brother that, that left, and believe me, I did everything out there. That's one of the beautiful things that you can. The experience of life that that I can bring, not necessarily to the homily, but to to those that are going through struggles uh, with family, with themselves, with parents, and I, I, a deacon, as a deacon, as my personal experience, I can bring all that in, in, into and relate to each one of those stories. So, as I'm putting myself. As, as, as God and seeing how God is feeling when I stray away, when I'm not praying, when I'm not coming to church uh, uh, regularly, when I'm not going to confession regularly, regularly, I'm drifting away from God. I'm trying to take control of my life as the young man was doing. And God is always there waiting for me, waiting to embrace me. And again, I, the, the parable started with my son and translated to myself. And I believe that each and every one of us can relate to, to this story and place ourselves as the bystanders, as the mother, who is definitely there because we all have our mothers and we know how much our mothers suffer for us. And moms are always, always there waiting for us to make that turn around and come back. And Again, this, this has been the passage that has impacted me, and it started all with that mass with Father Ambiotics and Our Lady of Mercy here in the Bronx. And little by little, uh, the Lord keeps calling me. We still have, I still have problems. I'm, I can still play each and every one of those uh, uh, characters in this parable, but I know my Father is always there waiting for me. Sit down, Lucas. Sit down. Thanks for your courage to go first. Did you guys feel it? I felt it. When he was talking, I, I felt it. I felt their connection to this text. Does anyone know what the word homily means? It's a Greek word. Does anyone know what the word homily means? It means conversation, actually. I felt the conversation that he, had, he was having with that text. What other layers of conversation are there when, when people preach, when people share a homily? So there's, I felt Lucas and the Gospel of Lucas having a conversation. What other layers of conversation are there in preaching? The prayer and talking to the Lord. The Lord, yeah. He's talking to us. And I, in my mind, I was kind of responding to him. You know, and there's a conversation there. So there's you in the text, there's us in the text, there's you in the Lord, 
there's us in the Lord, there's us in you. There's like layers of, of conversation in this. I, I think and, uh, like I said, all those listening to the bystanders. Is there anything that, so let's say that, that came up in the lectionary when it does come up. Is there anything that you would change if you were going to make, if you were going to preach uh, on a Sunday, for instance, the, uh, that, that parable, which is the longest and best of the Lord's parables? Is there anything you would, what might you do differently if you were to preach that? I, I will say I would try not to talk so much about my family and my, my personal experiences. Uh, accept the fact that I have been forgiven and, you know, and again, I, Planted better in the beginning, the, the, the body. And, yeah. Well, you knew how you were getting in, how you were getting out. How you... No, I did not know. When I was sitting there, I had no idea how I was getting in, how I was getting out. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I think you're very wise to say um, you might not use so much personal disclosures. You, you're going to be deacons. Um, who here has children? <laughs> Wives? Okay. I'm jealous of that. I'm jealous of that. You have access to a world that I have secondhand, thirdhand. And that's the world that most Catholics live in. The family world. I live in a friary. It's a good world. But most people don't live in it. You have a special gift in being you know, what the church calls secular clergy. You're in the world. Um, it's not a negative thing like secular. It's just you're, you're working jobs like most people are working. You have families like most people. That's a very powerful gift to tap into. As Lucas said also, you got to be careful because you have children and wives. And you're not married to your parish. And you know? Yeah. And, and, and so in the book, I'm gonna, I'll talk about the books we use for the class later. There's a little discussion in one of the books about personal disclosures. And it's not like, don't do it, do it. It's like, be prudent. Otherwise, you know, it might be about you too much, as, as you had said. And I know it's not a homily, so I know it's a different kind of a genre. But um, it was a wise thing. Because in some ways, you have to share your faith. You know, and on some level, you have to share why you think it's powerful. Um, but on some level, it's also okay if that's backstage. Because even if you hadn't mentioned like your son and yourself, I think I still would have gotten it. That he has you know, experienced something like the father and the son. For instance, when I do funerals, and you'll be doing funerals as well, um, my dad died about 15 years ago when I was 24 years old. Um, I know what it's like to lose someone I love. I don't share that with them. Maybe once in a while it's like a reason to. But when I nod my head and listen to people who are grieving, and everyone's grief is different, on a basic level of losing someone I love and who loved me, I get it. And I don't disclose that, but I think there is an empathetic platform that, that is created, that you created, you know, because you got it, we got it, we're feeling what you're feeling. Um, I thought it was a superb job communicating with this. Um, tell me, and if you could read, I'd love, love to hear your read, read maybe 
two or three of your favorite sentences from that parable. That parable is about twice as long as the second longest parable of the Lord. It's the longest, it's the best parable. If I had one piece of paper to take to a desert island, that's what I'm taking. I love that parable too. Um, maybe pick out, because one thing that I was thinking of, you, you, you allude back to the father waving, you, you allude back. Is the mother mentioned in the parable, Lucas? No. Okay. I was like, I don't think there's a mom in there. You mentioned, maybe give me two or three sentences that, man, that, um, because I, what, one, at one point, your glasses back on, I was like, oh, he's going to read. <laughs> you, gonna, you asked me. Well, no, during the homo, during the preaching, you put him back on. I was like, oh, he's going to read. Then it's like, fake out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to read, but it, it, the time is limited. Can I see your glasses right now? my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> this is a powerful problem. <laughs> because it, it, it kind of resets things. All right, let's see, you're, you're preaching a bit. It gives you a moment to kind of, let's say for some reason you're not quite sure, okay, you had your point, but maybe you got something a little bit wacky, and it gives kind of you a moment, and you're like, and it gives you a thoughtful pause, and you know, it's kind of a useful prop, you know, and then you go into the text. Um, so go ahead and give us two or three of the most powerful sentences, Lucas, in this text, and tell us their underlying. You know what I mean? Like, let's say, for instance, if you were going to read those texts, you would underline them or highlight them or like circle them. Tell us with your voice that they're underlined or they're bolded. You know what I mean? Give us an indication that like this is a powerful text. Um, verse twenty-one. His son said to him, Father. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered that's uh, the, the main sentence because it's it's when I recognize uh, my guilt and my mistake and. Read again. Okay. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Read again, Lucas, this time. Scan the room when you read it. If you don't have memorize, that's okay. Put your finger, put your fingers on the text. I like doing that. I like the idea of like I'm drawing power from the text. Now I, I don't like like this. I kind of hold the text. So put your fingers on the text and and kind of scan the room. You know, right to left, left to right, and like almost like you're the son or the father. Just kind of create the scene for us with your eyes. His son said to him, "Father, I no longer deserve to be." Okay. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. You guys felt that a little differently? It, it, it felt different. And you can only have three words. Like, I think the best thing is when you when I can you can memorize like the, the, the most powerful sentence, like the dynamite. Every text has a couple different sticks of dynamite in it. You can identify 
in your preparation on Monday for the Sunday homily, the dynamite, if you can memorize that, that's great. Let's say you can't memorize it. If you have three words, you say it very, there's a couple different ways to highlight a sentence. One is to increase your volume. I think the more effective way, this is my, you can experiment a little bit for yourselves. I think the more effective way is to speak more slowly. Silence is a very powerful attention grabber. There's so much noise in the world. A little bit of silence is like a little vacuum. It kind of sucks in their attention. So a way to highlight a phrase is to be, let's say you're reading or you're proclaiming the word, you pause for a moment, people will look up and then give them the dynamite. You know? So read it one more time. Um, Lucas would, you know, give us a verb. I was going to go to the second one. Oh, yeah, you know what? Fine, yeah, go to the second uh, sentence. Thank you. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Those were mine. are so rich, even we can't screw it up. <laughs> you know, that text is so rich. Uh, is not Father Richard Smith by any chance? Yeah, I live in Beacon. He's the pastor of uh, the parish, St. John's and Joseph's parish in which I, I reside. So we carpooled here. He's a huge devotee of Cardinal Henry Newman, um, John Henry Newman. And he mentioned to me on the way down that according to the accounts people who knew him and heard him and you know he taught his students, his peers. He was not a great preacher. He did like the kind of things he would say don't do. But when he read the epistles of St. Paul, it was like a homily. The way he read it was like a homily. He had intimacy with the text. You could tell he was walking these words. And the way he read that kind of gave it some, you, know, you look at it, you underline it, you, you highlight certain phrases. Text is so rich. Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a great job, Lucas. Thank you. Uh, maybe tell us the thing you're most excited about in the deacon. Ah. <laughs> uh, being a deacon, that's, that's a different story now. Because it's going to happen in, in what, middle of June? In middle of June, June 18th. Now you get a date. Yeah. You see, none of us knew. Uh, Deacon Francis was under the impression that we all knew it was the 18th, June 18th. It's official. Uh, I guess I, I have always been called to serve, and every time any job that I have done, I maybe that's why I jumped first. I've never been the type that sat back and waited for somebody else to to do the assignment, and in the Spanish community, there is definitely a need for deacons. Where are you? What's your home parish? Uh, St. Anastasia in Harriman. And uh, Deacon Brian. Yeah. Okay. What's your profession? <laughs> and and I, I always saw that need. I saw that gap between the Hispanic, commu Hispanic community, especially down here in the, in, in the South Bronx. You don't feel it as much because it's Spanish is basically the first language. 
But when when I moved uh, upstate and uh, yeah, when I left the Bronx, English was the main language, and the Spanish uh, community was very small and kind of secluded to a side, uh, isolated. And I thought I could be that that uh, bridge between the Spanish community and uh, the parish. And literally, I know that as a deacon, I would, I'm called to be the bridge uh, between the community and, and, and the bishop. And what excited, I, I made the, the, the decision to join the, the inquiry without really knowing what I was getting into. I, 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 if I can tell you I know exactly what a deacon's job was, I'll be lying to you, but I didn't. But as, as, as you were mentioning, that's, I was taking those baby steps I was enjoying myself more, strengthening my faith, main thing. Uh, today I can say my most important abscess or my biggest abscess uh, is my face, my faith, you know? And it's, it's, it's the one thing I cherish the most. Now, uh, being a deacon, now I see that it's a lot of work. And working with my community, Working with the children, I really enjoy working with the kids. Uh, just this weekend, uh, one of the kids that a brother and a sister that, that I teach uh, for uh, religious ed from the confirmation class gave me a, a note, uh, a card. They were they were, they were supposed to give me uh, a present for Christmas. I didn't know. I didn't go to the last classes. I was feeling sick and. When I was able to go back to the to the class, I find this box with a bunch of gifts for me, and I was overwhelmed. I was very humble, and and I said, God, I, I was supposed to give them something. They're kids, and but this two kids said, Oh, I we have something else for you. We gave it to my father, so he can give it to you. But then he said it to me this weekend, and it was not not a gift, just a card, thanking me, appreciating. Uh, and, and, and telling me that they appreciate the fact that I'm patient with the kids, that I can deal with them, and, and thanking me for teaching them and sharing my faith with them. And believe me, guys, this, this really hit home. This really made me feel very good. And, and I enjoy working with them. Luke, but then, I ask you to punctuate this night. I realize it's almost 8 o'clock. So you got to do that late. Great job starting us off here. Thanks, brother. Expeditiously here. Well, I want to thank you for a break, maybe. What if we did two more? Took a little break, short break, and uh, see if we can get away in today. Thanks, Lucas. So here's, let's refine it a bit. Next person, get the text ready so you don't have to like fumble through it. Um, I should have had to beforehand. Have a seat and take a moment. Say the prayer that you'll say before you preach. Come to the ambo, proclaim, and then tell us why this text means so much to you. Okay? Next preacher. <laughs> okay. Is that your name? Paul. Thank you, Paul. So Paul, go ahead and set up the text. I have it. Oh, you got it. Excellent. Thank you. 
Lord be with you. With your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs in Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The word of the Lord. I love this gospel passage. I absolutely love it because within these 11 lines, to me, I see the fullness of our Catholic faith. John relates this first known public miracle of our Lord. And John was probably there because the gospel reading says that his disciples were invited. So John was probably an eyewitness to this. And this doesn't appear in any of the other Gospels. But we think about this wedding feast. Think about what it was like. Jesus was there. Jesus was present. The Blessed Mother was present. Jesus shows here his compassion. His compassion for the bride and the groom. But how did he even learn of it, according to the gospel? Our Blessed Mother was attentive. She was attentive to their needs. As far as we know, the bridegroom didn't even realize that the wine had run out. We don't know. Silent. But she was attentive to his needs. She didn't want them to feel embarrassed by any of this. 
So what does she do? She turns to our dear Lord and asks him to do something. They have no wine. And so what does Jesus do in response? He says, woman, how does your concern affect me? How does your concern, he's asking her that question. How does your concern affect me? And how does she respond? She doesn't. She tells the servers, do whatever he tells you. She was firm. She wanted to help them. She was a mother. And so this had to be done. And him, being the good son, listened to his mother. And to me, those, those words are very, very important. I have great faith in, in the Blessed Mother. And when I hear those words, do whatever he tells you, to me, she's speaking to me. She's speaking to each one of us. That's her message to us. Do whatever he tells you. But at the same time, she's reflecting her love of us by being so compassionate, by being so considerate, by being so concerned. And Jesus now, by performing this very first recorded miracle, he's showing who he is. He's showing he is powerful, he is mighty, and he is God. This is all right there. The message is to us, I think, again, do whatever it is he tells you. So, when we turn to the Lord and we turn to the Blessed Mother, we can be confident of their love for us. I can tell you my own personal experiences throughout my life. The Blessed Mother and our dear Lord have always been there. And I always felt confident that they loved me personally. It's like an intimacy. I feel that they love me. Because the fact of the matter is, they do. And they love each and every one of us. And they wouldn't want us to be embarrassed at our way either. This is how kind and loving they are. And when I think about the bridegroom and the bride, probably not even knowing what happened until after all of this took place, it kind of makes me realize that Countless times, our Lord has blessed me with wonderful favors and blessings that I haven't even recognized, that I haven't asked for, and that I wasn't even aware of. So I try to be more attentive, and we should all be more attentive, I think, to these favors and to these blessings from the Lord, because they're constant. They're constant because of their love for us. They have been so good to me. So I have to listen to our Blessed Mother when she says, do whatever he tells you. That's what I tried to focus on. And I know that when we do try to please our Lord and do whatever it is he tells us, that they are in fact pleased with us. And I feel as if I'm showing some type of a reflection of the love that they show to me. 
And then lastly, with this amazing passage, I always think of the fact that Jesus took the water and he changed it to wine. How great and magnificent was that? And it was only a matter of time before he took that wine and he changed it into his own precious blood. So that water into the wine was such an amazing gift. Then the wine into his blood was the greatest gift of all. Read the epistle, 
whatever it is, the Old Testament reading, the Psalm, you make your mind like fly paper. My parents always had fly paper in our house. You make your mind something sticky. The Lord will throw something at it. And during the week, you're praying in the office, you're having meditation time, you're making your mind the fly paper. And on Sunday, you know, you, you polish what the Lord's given you that week, and the text, and you whatever source you've used, you present to the Lord what you've done. We give the water. That's what a homily is. Our efforts. We bring forth the water. And if we bring the water, the Lord makes it wine. This, will have, this is a promise to you. You will have maybe your first year being a deacon. But at some point, you will, after you preach, somebody will say to you, deacon, the way you said, um, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, the way you said that, and they'll quote you, um, man, that really touched me. And you will think to yourself, I never said what they just said. And you look at your sheet. You read, you read your homily. They said that. I never said that. And you need to say thank you, you know, oh, thanks, thanks for saying that. I'm glad the Holy Spirit worked that way. That, that's what happens all the time. Um, you present the water, the Lord makes it work. Or something that you just kind of like said as an aside, you know, like, okay, you got a woman, calls her a woman, you got the wine, you got the wedding, all these W's, you know. And someone, someone will just say like, oh yeah, you said that. And you're like, did I say that? So the Lord transforms, and, and this whole conversation, you bring the water, the Lord transforms into people's hearts. So great, great gospel to kind of open our thing on, on homiletics. How did it feel presenting that, Paul? I can tell you prepared it very well. I just prepared it here. Okay, well, I can tell that this is something meaningful to you because it seems <clears throat> Yeah, because I've always felt that way about this particular gospel. To me, it just has all the elements of my name. It's all right there. So I can pick out anything from that gospel passage and, and, and illustrate it as being core of my faith. That was a good hook you had. I think you said something like all of our Catholic faith is in these 11 verses. That's a nice hook. I think, you know, priests who were in the 80s were told there's a certain method. Tell a joke, tell a story, tell a hook. You know, once in a while you probably want to, but you don't want to become formulaic. But you also want to be interesting. I think you had a nice interesting hook there. One thing I was thinking, Paul, you know, I know it's on a homily, you're just, you're just sharing with us your favorite scripture. Um, beautiful stuff, blessed mother, the Lord, you kind of brought yourself into the scene. Maybe something more concrete, one concrete example, where, okay, so I'm a disciple, blessed mother says, do whatever he tells you. What's an example? You know, in my own life, there was something like that I didn't want to do when I heard the blessing. Some kind of little or or make up one, like, there's something the Lord wants you to do. Stop cheating on your taxes. <laughs> I don't know, something silly. But, um, something kind of concrete, um, but yeah. What are you most excited about from the deacon, Paul? That's a real hard question. I don't mean to stump you. That's okay. No, I, I was thinking about that a little bit as well. I, I don't have a single answer, but I think Generally speaking, you know, we're all meant to be Christ-like, not just the priests and the deacons. All of us are meant to be Christ-like. When it comes to being holy and good and pure like Christ, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but 
But I always feel, as I said in, in discussing this gospel, I always felt that Christ loves me by his presence. I feel his presence and I feel his love. So I think as a deacon, I'll have a greater opportunity to be present to people. And by being present to people, to me, nothing gives me more, now I'm getting selfish, nothing gives me more joy than to make someone feel loved. And I think I'll have more of an opportunity to make people feel loved. That's what I'll say. What's your uh, home parish for you, sir? Immaculate Conception and Assumption of Our Lady is in Tarot. Is that Frank's own parish too? It is. Okay, yes, it is. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. telling this parable for us or for everyone? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at a proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. The slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved to be will receive a light being from everyone to whom much has been given. Much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. The gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Like you could read that last sentence again and finish the text, and then in your head, maybe chapter three, and then look and say the gospel of the Lord. Like, kind of like, like punctuate the text and then kind of. Yeah. I got a little emotion. I love it. From everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. 
and from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The more you know, the more you owe. The more you have, the more you give away. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about passion, compassion, talent, skill, resources. How often do we think about these things in our daily busy lives? What has God given to us in terms of blessings? Rewards that go unnoticed. Those to whom the Lord has entrusted much. He doesn't say much will be asked. He says, much will be demanded. Now that's an encouraging line if you give it very careful thought. If you don't think much about it, it's scary. It can be very scary for those of us who just spend just a fleeting moment giving it thought. But if you let that sit in your heart and you think about all the things that God has done in your life to bring you here, with each other as we are. It's a blessing. Because we're now in a position where we know what's expected of us. And the bar is set high. Absolutely, the bar is set very high. But don't let it be intimidating. Let it be something to strike at. Those to whom much has been given, much will be demanded. Do we ever give thought in our daily moments about when the Lord will return? I think of St. Paul's time when he had to actually counsel his followers to get back to work because they kept waiting and waiting for the Lord to return. The Parasia was going to come. But it didn't. It was 2,000 years later. So we kind of take it for granted that it's something we don't need to give much thought to. I could think of a situation about the police officer in New York City who lost his life. He didn't know that when he was that night to go to work. 22-year-old man, shot and killed on the job. I assure you, no one in his family for him expected that to happen that night. Was he ready? We should pray for him. But he was ready. Are we ready? Are we ready? That. <laughs> That's just, great. just came to me, and um, it's never let go. In fact, it brought me here. The and you said, and, and I observed, you got a little emotional towards the end. That is a very good sign. Um, I know if I'm feeling it, I've got something 
worthy of being shared. If I know it's moving me, then, then we got some juice, you know? So that, that's a great sign. I get a little uh, taken away sometimes, you know? And we should. It's the word of God. Um, I think it's a great sign. Uh, read the, uh, t- tell me, uh, Doug, if you had to pick two verses, one or two verses, um, you thought were like the dynamite of that passage. Maybe take another swing, how you would highlight that, underline it with your voice, your volume, your pacing. How would you tell us this is important? Because in a way, even if like it's on mute, we should be able to tell by your gestures and by your, your, eye, your eye contact, this is like the dynamite of the text. That slave who knew what his master wanted, but did not prepare himself, will receive a severe beating. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. So just, yeah, that's, uh, it got me here. I mean, I just, uh, I, this, this was my calling. That, that calls out to me. It has been calling out to me. And I've been struggling with my discernment uh, for longer than I even realize. Right? So um, I'm blessed to be with all you guys. I love you all. And uh, this has been some journey. I like how you highlighted the word demanded. I think sometimes it's tempting to soften the harshness of the Lord's words. Even that line is almost like kind of humorous. And they'll be beaten only lightly. It's, te- it's tempting to kind of soften. A prophet does not soften the Lord's words. A prophet <laughs> cranks it up, you know, and um, I, I applaud you for going after that demand. Are we sure we don't want to break first? Because I don't right. want to. Right. I don't want to feel blocked. Can you tell me your name? Steve. Steve, okay. I'll tell you guys, um, I, even before I was ordained in studies, I always carry a notebook. Because it's just 
a way to kind of open my heart to the Lord. Because as I think Thomas Aquinas and John Paul II said, the world is a parable. And when you're praying, things will hit you. And they might not make your homily on Sunday. But I have a Word document on my computer. This says, like, homiletic ideas. Because the Lord will, like, open your mind and heart will shower you with, like, ideas and metaphors and images. And they might not all make the homily, but in my, in my world, I need 10 ideas. And maybe three of them are good. So I'm always kind of taking notes and stuff, and you know, I'm always kind of, you know, whatever it is, reading the newspaper, and I saw this one yesterday. Was Dorothy Day too left-wing to be a Catholic saint? It's the New York Times. That's a great question to talk about. You know, um, just things like that are always kind of floating out there. And so I uh, ask you to carry a notebook, because it'll pay off dividends in your preparation. So Steve, when you're ready, you can have a seat, say your prayers, and, and crack in the word with us. The Lord be with you. And take off your mask, you can see Okay. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A gospel reading according to Luke. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him and the criminals there one on his right, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They divided his garments by casting lots. The people stood by and watched. The rulers, meanwhile, sneered, sneered at him and said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the chosen one, the Messiah of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was the inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, have you no fear of God, for you are subject to the same condemnations? And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me with wisdom. I have a guarantee for you, and that guarantee is this if you take your sins to the foot of the cross, you will receive unconditional love and mercy, and your sins will be forgiven. In this gospel passage, people tested Jesus. They, for them to believe, he needed to prove himself. He didn't prove himself enough already with the miracles. Now he needed to come down from the cross um, and prove himself that he was the Messiah. Yet we have 
a sinner who is crucified next to him, who has faith and knows that he needs forgiveness. And somehow, some way, he believes that this is the Messiah. So what does he ask for? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And with that, in an instant, Jesus forgives him. And his faith saves him. I have a good friend who hadn't been to church in many, many years. And he approached me. And we were talking about church, and he knew I was very involved in my parish. And he said, oh, I haven't been to church in years. And he goes, I really do need a good confession. And he didn't tell me what he did. I kind of suspected maybe what it was, but he had told me he had some mortal sin on his soul. And I tried to convince him to go to confession. And he said, Steve, if I go, they're going to throw me out. I said, John, absolutely not. I said, trust me, go to confession. And I pointed him to my parish, St. Patrick's, and I um, told him to see this one particular priest. And he went in, and after it was over, he called me up. And he said, Steve, he said, I went in, and he said, and I had some courage. I went to face to face. And I went in. And I confessed my sin, and the, as soon as the priest heard it, he just said, that's it, it's gone, it's over, it's done, you're forgiven. And he said, I broke down and cried. I just couldn't believe it was that quick, that easy. How could that be? And this gospel reading just is beautiful. To me, it means everything in our faith. We need to surrender our sins to Christ. He died to take the sins of the world on his shoulders so that we can have a path to eternal life. And the penitent thief sees that while he's dying on the cross. He's at the end of his life. Who knows what, how many sins he had. And just like that, boom. You know, his soul is saved and he is in paradise with Christ. So my brothers and sisters, I encourage you, take your sins to the cross, surrender them to Christ, and you're gonna find unconditional love and a place not where life ends, but where life truly begins. God bless you all. Thank you, Steve. I have no idea if that's really my favorite passage. <laughs> As you said earlier, the Gospels are so rich. When I saw this assignment today, I was like, holy smokes. Maybe I should have said one of your favorites. Not my favorite changes all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think of the prodigal son. I mean, it's just so... I even had down... I even uh, postmarked uh, the wedding in Canaan. Yeah. I mean, it was just... It's hard. Yeah, and you know what? I regret saying your favorite. I should have said... One of them, the one that's meaningful to you. But, but um, how did it feel? It felt good. I mean, I'm nervous. I, you know, so I don't know how that sounded. But did I. You guys think that he was nervous? No, no. I, I didn't. You can't even talk. Well, you know. What's your profession? Um, I am a, uh, <laughs> a no personality accountant. <laughs> that's funny. I was gonna guess something like a teacher because you seem to have like, I don't know. 
professional, polished presentation. Can you do me a favor, Steve? You said some really nice lines. I think you, if, I, if I'm quoting you right, this is everything in our faith. Say, convince me of that. Because you, you kind of, what you said was very polished, but it kind of had, you ever heard of Rex Harrison? He's a Broadway. He was yes. in My Fair Lady. The guy won a Tony. He had a three-note range. You kind of had a three-note range. You know, you kind of, you kept it. Great eye contact. I like how you, let me see your file for a moment. I like how you held it up here. Because it kept you from going like this. Right. And I kind of, the word of God, like, upright, strong. I kind of like that, because you're tall, I'm tall too. Yeah. So the podium's low, you don't, don't want to be here. That was smart. But um, maybe crank it up to four or five out of three when you say, this is everything. Yeah. Use your gestures, use your body a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was a great line. Yeah, that kind of, that's probably, that's the Holy Spirit coming through. That was a great one. Because I, you know, when you say, why is it everything, I mean, me personally. Say the line again. Like, like, you said. This um, is everything in our faith. And I guess, and the, to me, without the forgiveness of sins, I mean, I don't know where I'd be. Mm -hmm. You know, where, you know, where's my salvation? How do I get to, where's my path to, to heaven? Yeah. You guys said something different about the way Stephen's talking now and the way he was talking five minutes ago. A little more relaxed. I think it's more dynamic, too. Mm -hmm. I think the way you're talking right now, the conversational Stephen, mm -hmm. is more dynamic. It's more, um, the pacing is a little more conversational. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's good to throw in occasionally, don't let's quote me on this, an occasional um or like a, because it makes it like, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more. Right. Um, I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like right now, you, you get a little more dynamic. You're like, right. you're talking to us. Do me a favor and read that line again where, isn't this cool? The only saint canonized by Jesus himself. First he, saint. The first saint. saint. This was, we know nothing about him. Even his name is like. It's not in scripture, it's, you know, dismissed traditionally. Right. All we know is he was a, a criminal and he asked for forgiveness. That's it. And the Lord gave him generously. So read the dialogue between the um, dismiss and, and the Lord. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnations. And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Something to think about, and again, this is just... Everyone's different. You're going to have a little different style than everyone else in this room than me. I have like a Pharisee voice. I have a Jesus voice. And it's not like a caricature, but my Jesus voice speaks more slowly. Um, and I scan the room when the Lord talks. My Pharisee voice, I, I speak a little more quickly, like a little more quickly, because they're always kind of anxious and kind of like, you know. I uh, you know what I mean? So maybe. 
give us some vocal dynamics between the good thief, the uh, business talking, and then when the Lord says, amen, amen, I say that to us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Steve? Jesus speaking? Yeah, say that to us. But like, you are inhabiting the Lord, the voice of the Lord in this. So say it to us, like, we need to hear it. He said to him, Amen, I say to you. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's good. What's your own parish, dude? Same as God, St. Patrick's, your turn. Okay. What's the pastor's name there? Monsignor Jan Durko. Well, you know, this is a funny, it's an interesting question. Let me first tell you what I don't want, what doesn't, and it's being up on the altar wearing pretty colors. I always wanted to be, being a deacon, I always see myself as serving God's people with the lowest level of humility, meaning my left hand not knowing what my right hand's doing. You know, just kind of out in the flock, helping people. You know, but yesterday, for the first time, I was able to participate in Mass as an acolyte wearing my alb, distributing communion. And that experience was so great for me. It was bigger than I thought because I really felt it sitting at the foot of the cross, right? And here you are distributing the body of Christ to his flock. To his people, feeding them, and being used as a conduit, you know. So it was so was really kind of nice being up there and in, in my white out. So um, I think for me, what excites me the most again is really serving this flock, um, serving them in whatever they need, feeding them, suffering with them, um, you know, in all humility. So it was. Yeah. So you gave out communion for the first time. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been, and it, it was funny because I had I was shaken. I've never been. I'm not really a Eucharistic minister. I've always been, I always been. Yeah, I was. So, but years ago, our pastor, he was. I was reading, and he must have forgot to count how many Eucharistic ministers he had. So when he was up on the altar and he saw he was short. Uh, the Eucharistic minister, he just said to the congregation, anyone out there, are you any Eucharistic ministers? And there wasn't any, so he called me up. And I went up and I was like, holy, you know, of course, you certainly don't feel worthy. And I was just shaking as mm-hmm. I pointed it out. Yesterday, it was the same. You don't feel worthy to be doing that. And I was having a heart. <laughs> each, you know, each, each body of Christ and, and, and um, feeding his flock. It's an intimate thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I asked my canon lawyer, a professor who's a Jesuit named James Kahn, who's at Boston College. I asked him his favorite thing to do as a priest. He's been a priest 50 years. He said, give me communion. It's his favorite thing to do as a priest. Because it's so intimate. Yes. Um, and you get a sense of how many kinds of hands yes. there are and tongues. <laughs> it, it is an intimate. You look at him in the eye, you know, the body of Christ. Yes. He is very intimate. Oh, yes. Do you guys know the guy named Bernie Smith, the priest who died? Yes, we were talking about He was our provincial for a long time. I know he was a 
he was bragging one time. He was retiring, this kind of retiring from the parish. He's like, they threw, they threw me four parties at St. Patrick's. <laughs> and someone said, only four? <laughs> well, he, he loved that parish, St. Patrick's. Oh, yeah, he was great. And he loved He was a great uncle. He was great. God bless him. We have a prior from that parish named Jim Peterson. Cool. He's been in the order 20 years now. That's his home parish. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Steve. You're welcome. Uh, gentlemen. <laughs> if it's the first class, and I'll make it democratic, I guess. Will you hate me? If Again, if you, if you look at this parable, it follows a few parables regarding the farmer. The one just before that was the parable we all know about the sower. Seeds that fall on good ground will, will grow strong. Seeds that grow on rocks you know, will die away. But the most important thing, I believe, on this parable that of the weeds and the wheat, it speaks of, A, the kingdom of God, B, that we do not know the difference between the weed and the wheat. If you look into this, the, the background of, of this parable, you'd find out that the weeds at that time looked very similar to wheat. And so uh, the Lord is telling them, you have to let these grow together. Uh, the other thing which is really important is when Jesus came, he introduced the kingdom of God, which had both of present in a future a dynamic. So as we go and, and, and we live uh, the life of Jesus, we can look at each other and wonder, are we weeds or wheat? The trouble is, is we have no right to do that. Just as Adam and Eve tried to pretend, uh, tried to be uh, more like God, by us looking at somebody and saying, that's the bad person, that's the wheat, uh, it's not right. That's up to the Lord, that's, that's to the end of time. Uh, when the kingdom of God does come, uh, it will be a glorious time, and it really, I believe in my heart, it's going to be a time where those who follow Christ will simply be there. Those who do not follow Christ will not be allowed to be in the kingdom of God, uh, and, and there will be no room for them, and sin will be removed from the world. Uh, and again, just think of that, not being in the kingdom of God, uh, that's, that's where you're going to have anguish and the grinding of teeth. Uh, so again, the most important thing that we come out of this parable is the fact that we're not, only God can say that one person's a weed in the wheat, and we, we cannot condemn each other, and we, we need to all love each other, and at the end of time, uh, again, God will be the one who, who sorts it out. And the word of God. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. How did it feel? Uh, very nervous, unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's kind of nice to not have much prep time, because the bar is low. I was asked to fill in, for example, I was asked to fill in for a week-long retreat for 20 priests in California. Uh, the friar who was going to do it, his brother passed away this after Christmas two weeks ago, and so he was, you know, with his family, he called me up and said, "Can you be on a plane, like in a day and a half, and go to Malibu for a week?" I said, "Yes, I can. I can do that." So I had the plane ride prepared. They knew that. They knew I was like pinch hitting. I loved it. The bar was low, <laughs> you know? If you do great, you're awesome. But if, you, if they expect great, you meet expectations. When the bar is low, like, we know you, long way of saying, Dan, we know you didn't prepare, you know? So it was, um, tell me the most power, powerful line from that, uh, that parable. This is a tough one because I think it's maybe, maybe the only one that the Lord himself interprets. Right, and, uh, and that's, again, I don't know the protocol of reading two passages, but uh, that was okay, right? I think the way you 
read it is how it's in the lectionary, actually. All right, excellent. So again, um, you want me to read one? I the one that really comes out on me. Pick the verse, Dan, and read it slow. Like tell sure. us how important it is by your voice, by your tone, um, by your pacing, by your eye contact. Like underline it verbally. With, with yeah. Again, the, the reason why I would be reading this is because I wanted to explain how I feel about this line as opposed to uh, damnation. Again. Uh, they will throw them into a fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Uh, and then it goes on from there. So I think that, that kind of like, it was a great, I got to see a great seminar about this, uh, this um, parable. And he speaks again about the kingdom of God returning to earth. And you know, with, we all being with Jesus again uh, when he finally comes. And there'll be those of us who will want to be in the kingdom. And there'll be those of us that will choose not to be in the kingdom. And they will simply be excluded. And uh, you know, I think all souls are, are infinite. So those who choose to be excluded will, will find themselves, you know, uh, in tremendous loneliness. And again, that's why I believe you get the wailing of, of, of uh, the wailing, the grinding of teeth, the, the idea that they they've messed up. They you know they they just haven't accepted something that was handed to them. years ago, I heard Dolan preach on this. I think Dolan's an excellent, excellent preacher. I've heard him do some masterful homilies. <clears throat> I remember Dolan opened up with, you know, he's all Dolan. He's like, there's wheat, and there are weeds. There's weeds, and there's wheat. <laughs> it was four years ago. I still remember it. You know, like, um, it was pacing. It was just an interesting way to kind of introduce that, you know? Francis uh, de Sales, and uh, you know, I was going to read it, so this, this would be probably really good. 
where it said, uh, let us be who we are uh, who we, and, and be that well. In order that being, uh, in order to bring the honor of the master craftsman who has, uh, whose handiwork we are. Which means we were all made by God. And it's kind of like, you know, for us to, and we're all sinners because we're not perfect. And for these people who are out there ex outside the church using these excuses that they're not good enough. You know, like for example, on Sunday, I know there was a good guy and he decided not to go to uh, receive communion. And I'm like looking at him like, what are you not, what are you doing? Get up and receive communion. What could you possibly have done that you could not receive communion? You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, but I didn't say that, of course, because I don't know what he did. But a lot of people like, oh, I got angry today. I said a curse, so I'm not going to receive communion. To me, that's just so horrible. And, it's, uh, and then there's other people who won't go to church because they feel they're too far gone. And, uh, you know, they beat themselves up, so. Yeah, that, that kind of theology, too, you know. Like, it's self-imposed. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuses, too. Uh, what parish you serve right there? Uh, back at Conception Study Point. Uh, uh, Herb, the garrison up there. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. I could only get better. <laughs> hey, that's it. Yeah, but you know. I'm reading in Spanish, I speak in English, and a little bit in Spanish. Okay? Luca translate. A little bit Spanish. Okay? He wants to translate. So, um, Daniel mentioned to me, you know, he's doing Spanish. I asked him, well, what language will you minister in? He said Spanish. So, in my mind, why would you, why? I thought I can demand you do it in English if you're going to be serving primarily in Spanish. I got a feeling we'll get it. You know, I, th I think I think we'll get it. You know, if, if you communicate well, I think I think it'll serve. Um, I've been to Spanish mass when I didn't know Spanish before. I still kind of got it. You know. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking. But uh, thank you. El Señor esté con ustedes. Y con tu espíritu. Proclamación del Santo Evangelio según San Lucas. Muchos han tratado de escribir la historia de las cosas que pasaron entre nosotros, tal y como nos los transmitieron los que las vieron desde el principio. Y que ayudaron en, la, en, en el principio, perdón. Y que ayudaron en la predicación. Yo también, ilustre Teófilo, después de haberme informado minuciosamente de todo, desde sus principios pensé escribirlo por orden para que veas la verdad de lo que se ha enseñado. Después de que Jesús fue tentado por el demonio en el desierto, impulsado por el Espíritu, volvió a Galilea. Iba enseñando en las sinagogas. Todos lo alababan y su fama, su fama se extendió por toda la región. Fue también a Nazaret, 
donde se había criado. Entró en la sinagoga, como era su costumbre hacerlo los sábados, y se levantó para, leer, para hacer la lectura. Se le dio el volumen del profeta Isaías. Lo desenrolló y encontró el pasaje que estaba escrito. El Espíritu del Señor está sobre mí, porque me ha ungido para llevar a los pobres la buena nueva, para anunciar la, liber la liberación a los cautivos y la curación a los ciegos, para dar libertad a los oprimidos y proclamar el año de gracia del Señor. Enrolló el volumen y lo devolvió al encargado y se sentó. Los ojos de todos los asistentes a la sinagoga estaban fijos en él. Entonces comenzó a hablar diciendo, hoy, hoy mismo se ha cumplido este pasaje de la escritura que acaban de oír. Palabra del Señor. Gloria a Dios, Señor Jesús. En the time de Jesús, every Jews salve, everybody together in the meeting for the reading different book, no? This time, the, this evangelium, Jesus visited the synagogue in Nazareth. When he visited the, the, the synagogue, no, como se dice, no fue una casualidad, no? Como se dice? No fue casualidad. No coincidence. The people came for Jesus, the papyrus, the royal, no? the prophet Isaiah. When he read it, everybody, attention, very good. But one problem. The problem is when Jesus told for everybody, today, the cumpling This profecía de Isaías, today, hoy mismo se cumple esta escritura. Everybody, oh my God, you, no, no posible. He, he, he know he, the son de María. He know the son de Joseph. He knows the man de Nazaret. No posible, he's the Messiah. El Mesías, no, 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 no. Surprise for everybody, everybody, se escandalizaron. It's a big problem. Jesús continue. Today, hoy se cumple. These textos, this reading. Entonces, es posible. At this time, a lot of people know the understand. De Jesús 
is the, the mission, the promise, the God. Everybody needed to understand Jesus is second God, the Trinity. Jesus coming for salvation for everybody. Jesus coming because he needed one mission, the salvation for everybody. Now we needed love at Jesus the heart. Que así sea. Good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for doing it in English. You know, I need to do it 
broke. <laughs> and you had no text you were working off of, Danielle? You were just sharing with us the, the power of the gospel? What do you think? No, no, no. One, one text. One page. Google. This is very good. Um, it's it, it'll come, you know. It, Amazon you order today, it'll come yesterday. It's so fast. It's it's not very long. It's about 140, 140 pages. Read the first 70 for next week. We'll have a little discussion about it. I, this is a superb book. Um, the other one, the homiletic directory. This is sort of a, a like a culling of Vatican documents related to preaching. So it's kind of like a distillation of the church's wisdom on, on preaching. Some of the things I said are from this, this book about the function of it being the hinge between the word and the Eucharist are, are from uh, this book. So this has a lot of um, bits from other the catechism, you know, other documents, official church documents. Those are the books we're reading for the class. And in next class, read the first 70 pages of this, the first half. I have a question. On, on your syllabus, you said you need a book report on 121, 123 pages. Yeah. <laughs> Good catch, man. I know. Good catch. <laughs> what I meant to say was one to two. One to two. Oh. <laughs> we all say that. Did you really think it was? You didn't think no, it was. No, it's insane. No. no that, that's a mistake. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, yeah, one or two page, you know. Again, it's like, put it this way, you're not, if you're like me, you read a book once and you kind of put it on your shelf, for the book report, what are the things that you want, the jewels, you know, that you want to remember? That way it's on your computer, you know, and you can look at, what are the things that you, if you were a minor, what would be, what'd be the jewels from this book? You know, um, that's what I'm looking for. That's, that's not till, When is that? Well, that's not till uh, end of February. No, no, I was just concerned about how many pages. But if I were you, come on. If I were you, as you're reading it, take notes, underline, like you know, like mark it up, make little like like I do, little notes. That that way, you can do it this week if you want, but it's not due for about a month. Um, so buy these two books, um, and then so those are the books you have to get. These are good the texts. These are books I recommend. Um, this is called Sourcebook. I'll leave it in the back on the way out if you want to get a photo of it or something. This is great. I read these books every week, both of these books. Um, 
This one is every day of the year. This one, so for instance, you know, today being Francis to Sales. It has a little bit about Francis to Sales. It has a little bit about the scriptures. It has, um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's got preaching points, mass with children, scripture insights, missile options. That's probably more for the priest setting up the mass, but it even has a music option. So it's just got the whole point of these. This, this, one's, this one's meteor, but it's not every day. Whereas this one has a page every day. This has four pages for every Sunday, which kind of makes sense. That's where most of your, your time is going to be spent on the Sunday homily. I don't ever like quote these or like read from these. These give me sparks. Chispas. This one once oh yeah. You know, boom. Like, you know, for instance, Christ the sales, what does it say about him? It has one sentence. Francis de Sales showed how sanctity is possible for people in any state of life. He planted seeds of renewal in the parishes and homes of France. That's, that's got a couple sparks there. Ooh, okay, sanctity. That's a word that could be redefined. You know, people think sanctity is like, you know, external piety. You can connect, you know, it gives you sparks. And when I first was ordained, I was like, I'm going to write every homily. You know, I, I don't need help. And then like two months later, I was like, I should get some of these books. <laughs> you know, you only have so many ideas. These give you a little spark. Like I said, you're not, I don't expect anyone to like read from this for a homily or like copy paste it. But it gives you sparks. You know, it gives you imagination points. And, and this has a little more exegesis. This, is, this has... Up on the way out. This has like a whole couple paragraphs. This one talks about George Floyd and, and, and different texts. It's interesting, actually. Um, so this one has the scripture itself. It has model universal prayers. It has model potential rights for, for deacons, I guess. You could do some different things like that. It's got homily. It's got other, um, the beloved is interesting. It's got even a little collect there. This guy has a little more meat for the Sunday homily. This is called Living Liturgy. This is called Source Book. There's probably other books like this. These are the ones I use. Um, also, there's probably three or four books like this. These are monthlies. There's Magnificat. There is Give Us This Day. This one's called The Word Among Us. I think these are very good, and your parish might even get these. You know, Parishes do. I think it's just good to have with you a copy of the lectionary for the week, the month. For instance, you'll be, you know, waiting for the bus, and you can just kind of, okay, next Sunday's, you know, this gospel. And you can make little notes, you know, and I just kind of like having this on me. I'm going for a trip or something, or whatever. You know, if you're by your bed before you go to bed, okay, it's Monday, but I gotta be thinking about next Sunday, and it'll just, it kind of makes your mind that fly paper. You know what the scripture is. You might have a spark or two. You might have a phrase. That's the first step. And we'll talk more about kind of methods. Get a, get a phrase. Find the dynamite of, of the text. And that gives you, okay, that gives me a foundation. 
something to, to develop, something to unravel, to build up. So I recommend getting something like this, either Magnificat, Give Us This Day, The Word Among Us. And, and they have that one in Spanish. They do? Yeah, they do. I'm, I'm sure they allowing them to search for the word among them. Okay. I think that's good to have. These are, I don't know, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. For me, well worth it. I read them every day. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe like fifteen or twenty dollars. So I paid forty bucks for these, and I read every day. So that's like pennies per day, you know. The, the blue one is, is that something that's for USC? USC, you mean? No, no, This is the Turtle Press. Right, but it's a Sunday, so is it? Is it oh is it yes. USC. Yeah, yeah. So theoretically, you need three. You could do that. Yeah, you could do that. I don't. I, I buy them every year. I throw out the old one. And um, also, it won't quite work. That, good point. It won't quite work because Easter will fall on different days. You know, okay. um, it'll kind of work. <laughs> like eighty percent, it'll work because you know there are sometimes the ordinary time Sunday, whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. Right. I know, I know the fourteenth is right. before Easter. It's after sometimes, so the calendar is, is stable, but it's got some flex in it. So but what you said is largely true. Most of the readings will occur similarly every year C. But I just buy new one every year. That way it's like it's all lined up for me. This, you know, um, sometimes, for instance, sometimes this feast stays a Sunday every seven years. So there's a price of sales. You know, just I just get a fresh one. That way it's all kind of... Um, I'll be, throughout the course, I'll be kind of passing on articles for you to read uh, via email. I'll kind of send you a link to articles. No expectation that you'll, like, report on just things that I think are interesting. Um, the papal preacher, his name is Renaro Cantola Mesa. He has some really good stuff out there. I might pass on to you, like, homilies. I might find a really good example of a homily and send it to you. As we get into funeral homilies, you know, Christmas, Easter. There's some really good examples out there. I might you know, send you a YouTube link or something. I'm just thinking you know, off the top of my head. I know for funerals, I'll send you Christopher Scalia's funeral homily about his father. Wasn't that a masterpiece? Um, I'll, I'll, we'll pause it because we'll get into it in, in full, but that is a masterpiece of a homily. Um, so I'll send you good examples. At this point, men, any questions? We've got five minutes left. Uh, yeah, Paul? Just a, one question about next week. You, you indicated, obviously, which you already mentioned, read pages one to 70. You also said um, to uh, prepare a one-page homily idea on a, on a weekday lectionary gospel from this week. Thank you. What, yeah, just a clarification. Tomorrow, or next week, accomplish two things. Read 70 pages. You're going to like this book. You're going to like this. This is a good, good book. Um, it's not hard reading. Um, so read 70 pages of that. We'll have a little discussion. Also, bring a um, pick. Let's see. Today's Monday. So for next week, look at, let, let's just keep it in the Gospels for now. The Gospels, I think, um, are the primary you know, preaching corpus. You, know, you can use the whole corpus, but let's focus on the Gospels before we get into other things. 
there's a reason to stand for the gospel, put it that way. It's got kind of an internal canon to it. Look at the gospels for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Just look at them. Pick one for next week. So next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Pick one of those gospels and just underline, like have the text printed out, underline a few, the dynamite of the passage, and let's see, be prepared to preach for three to five minutes, and I'm going to keep a timer on it. This is ambitious because I know I still have two guys, you guys will be first up next Monday. Otra vez? Otra vez? We can omit the, the today the, the, the we did him too. We could. And uh, go, go ahead with that. But no es justo necesario. Es justo necesario. It's from the. Well, you guys vote first. Um, if we can't, so I think the key is keeping it tidy. We got to do three to five minutes. I'll have a watch on it, and also it'll kind of test our how well we can tell time because time moves differently when you're speaking publicly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it so I think sort of getting the the, the sense of time because a daily homily you're looking at three to five minutes. A Sunday homily, the Pope said eight. I think that's reasonable for most masses. Now there are some. We had a, a candidate. We had a, a the guy who's that deacon now. You know Martin from last year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Martin preached for like 25 minutes. That made perfect sense in his home parish. The mass is over two and a half hours. Okay. So proportionally, it made perfect sense. If I on Sunday was to do that, it wouldn't make any sense because it'd be, it'd be almost like vanity. You know, like, my homily takes more space than the Eucharist, you know? Like, that wouldn't make any sense. But So it should be proportional to your worship liturgy, okay? Who here has a worship, a mass over an hour on Sundays? What's your usual mass? Hour and a half or? Hour, hour, ten minutes. Okay. We have a, you know, a visiting priest that definitely does long homilies. I mean, a good 15 minutes. Hmm. Uh, that is long. I would say we're shooting for eight minutes, but if you're, I know sometimes in the Spanish world, you might get an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, it's because the, the, the priests in Spanish, when they come to the Dominican Republic, they only live maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So the one you're in the Haitian mass? The former pastor yes. that, I, that, that I have in my parish is from Spain. Yeah. And only the homily, he took 58 minutes. So we got to go, man. But so tomorrow for Monday, no, a couple things. How am I getting in? How am I getting out? What do I want to say? So get in, say it, and get out. It should fit on one page, three minutes. Um, Thanks for question, Paul. Is that uh, yeah? I don't want to say too much because you'll be creative and. I was at a, a Haitian mass once for like four hours. I had to leave, it's still going on actually. <laughs> um, good first day, man. Any volunteers to 
Close us in prayer. This is also an important skill because you're going to become, in your circles, like the prayer. Whenever there's a prayer, they're going to look to you. Okay, Dan, go for it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, men. Go in peace. See you next week. So I think it might make sense.